We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, September 8th edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Um, Derek Van Riper is with me today, and Derek and I are going to be doing this every Friday afternoon. We're starting this at about 5.15 Eastern today, sort of getting the injury reports. They're not totally wrapped up, Derek, but it's it, it, there's not much going on, as we talked about before we started recording. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably make adjustments as the season goes on, like if there are several late afternoon injury reports we're waiting on, we could probably adjust, but it's week one yeah. teams are reasonably healthy. Uh, there's still a few tough decisions that need to be made. Still some things to uh, get excited about. I mean, if you're a Kareem hunt owner today, you're, you're doing backflips because it looked great a- aside from the TDs. Like you could just take that out. The, the usage for Kareem hunt is where you're feeling great because any concern that he'd be in like a 60 40 or 65 35 split with Sharkandrick West, that was pretty much squashed with the, the usage pattern last night. Yeah, that guy, he got all the work he could handle. They threw to him, they threw to him deep. He just got everything. If you drafted Cream Hunt last night after the fumble, that game was everything you could have possibly wanted from him. And not yeah, just the, the production, like you said, but the usage. The, the roller coaster of emotions, too. I mean, give Andy Reid credit for not being a caveman of a head coach and and burying Cream Hunt on the bench for six weeks for coughing up a fumble on his first carry. Uh, they had the stat on the game last night on NBC. He had one fumble right. in his entire career at Toledo, and that was with 
heavy usage and he recovered it himself. So to to lose one on the first carry in the NFL and to bounce back like that, really impressive. But part of that's just Andy Reid sticking with his guy. And clearly he sees a, a pretty big talent gap between Hunt and Sharkandrick West, who amazingly comes in and breaks off a 21-yard TD run. On, he had two touches. He had one catch. But his only <laughs> carry was a 21-yard TD run right. when the Patriots were pretty much demoralized late. And he looked kind of good and elusive doing it. Yeah. Um, other things I want to talk about with the Chiefs. Actually, one other thing. Tyreek Hill. Okay, so you look at Tyreek Hill. I was a Tyreek Hill skeptic in the summer. And you look and you say, seven for 133 and one. Wow, that's just, that's a big night. You know, it the touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, that was a complete busted coverage, right? It wasn't any skill on Tyreek Hill's part. He basically started going and everybody got confused and he was, he was 20 yards behind everybody. Other than that, they threw to him, but it wasn't like he, he he wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't all that impressed. Maybe I'm just a grouch about Tyree Kill, but I thought the production, the numbers are a little misleading. They are. And the Tyreek Hill is a wide receiver. One crowd, of course, will be noisy today. And the people that are uh, looking at him and, and being skeptical for, for good reason. I mean, he's 5'10", 185. He, he wasn't a prolific pass catcher in college. I know he played it at West Alabama because he transferred there. Uh, there's a lot to still look at with him and say, okay, you know, take take away the big play, which you take the best play away from every player every week. And it, it strips down production a lot. He still doesn't have prototypical number one wide out traits, his route running hands, all those things. But what he does have and what he's had all along is a head coach and Andy Reed, who we have come to, overlook I think as one of the better offensive tacticians in the league and we saw that in, the, in some of the formations uh, there was the one play where they had Travis Kelsey line up behind Alex Smith there was a little bit of a motion scenario in the backfield the direct snap went to Kelsey Kelsey faked a pitch to Tyreek Hill and just kept it himself and ran up the middle stuff like that right, right. design runs for Hill there's going to be all sorts of wrinkles that put Hill in situations where he gets mismatches and I think the the thing that gives him a, a higher floor than most big play threat type guys, the lower volume wide receiver ones around the league, is that he is so explosive that if someone does make a mistake like the Patriots did last night, he will burn them for it. He has that sort of top end speed. So I, 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 I'm with you where I, I see it more as like, all right, that could be the best game he has all season. But he could have plenty of other good ones, even if they're low volume good games. Right. All right. We're going to look back at the um, at the Patriots now, and I think the first thing we need to just absolutely confirm is that it's time for Jimmy Garoppolo to start in New England, right? We're clear on Clearly. that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Brady's done. No touchdowns, completion percentage under 50. I mean, come on, get, get him out of there. He's toast. All right. Anyway, um, if there was only a laugh track here, Derek, that would be a lot better. But, you know, what we, we can we can set that up for you. We can? Yeah, we can make your L button do a laugh track thing. I've got some software for that. You know, it reminds me of I had I actually had some friends texting me today saying, you know, oh, the Patriots look terrible and the defense is awful. And I'm sitting there going, you know, they'll fix it. Right. Do you remember a couple of years ago? It was three years ago, maybe when they played was they played in Kansas City and got blown out. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that it was a 41 nothing or something. I mean, they just got destroyed. And everyone. Went, oh, maybe Brady's done. And these guys, the dynasty's over. <laughs> that, this is how I feel this morning. I'm going, come on. Come on I mean, already. 
Brady missed throws yesterday that he doesn't usually make. First throw of the game, right, was that one to Dwayne Allen on uh, what looked like kind of a wheel route sort of thing. It wasn't a wheel route because he's not a running back, but he, comes, he was wide open. Brady missed him by several feet. Uh, he had a couple throws to Cooks that were off. I mean, I think part of it was the lack of separation. Part of it was Brady just being a little bit inconsistent with his throws. He had the TD pass to Gronk that got overturned. Right. That was really close to being a great catch for a TD. And that would have changed the complexion of the entire game, realistically. I guess that one, they, they ended up scoring on that drive anyway. But there were just a few moments where Brady didn't look like himself. And I don't expect that to be the case. They're still, most likely, they're still figuring out how they want to adjust without Julian Edelman. And we know by now to trust Belichick to scheme in a way to make that work. Where I think they might be a little bit screwed, though, is Danny Amendola leaving this game with a head injury, which is probably a concussion. And he's had a couple of those before. So the guy that can do some of the things that Julian Edelman does underneath might be out for a game or a couple games. I mean, cumulative effects of concussions could cause that absence to be longer. So they may have to tinker a bit more than we expected if Amendola does, in fact, have a concussion and has to miss a few games because I think he was part of the equation for replicating some of Edelman's routes. And then, you know, Hogan got locked down on the outside. I think he saw a lot of Marcus Peters. So... Hogan will be more effective against lesser number one corners, but he had a tough matchup last night. And Hogan played 73 snaps, everybody. He's, he's, uh, I, I would, it's as silly as it sounds to talk about selling high and buying low after one game of week one. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on Chris Hogan right now, somehow. You know, you can't get him off waivers. But after last night, I looked, and I know the production wasn't good, but I'm going, you know what? I'm, I'm still in here. I, the usage was, it was fine with me, I thought. Um, the, the, they play the Saints next week, too. They play I mean, the Saints like, next week, yes. You, 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 want, you want a get well game, get the Saints defense in week two, and everyone's going to have the narrative saying, the saying, well, oh, the Patriots are mad. They got embarrassed on national TV. It doesn't, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, like they, they're just a team that bounces back well from a loss because Belichick probably didn't sleep last night. And it's probably been scheming for the Saints in the hours that have passed since that game ended. Um, running backs, uh, Team Gillisley's happy, definitely. And it's interesting because we talked about you know the blunt roll that was the that was the the, the shorthand for what we thought he was going to do. Kind of was. I mean, goal line guy got it done. You know the the numbers weren't all that impressive otherwise. But I mean, geez, three touchdowns and then that offense, you're going to get a lot of touchdown opportunities, short yardage. Yeah, the blunt roll with an E. I think James White carried the ball a lot more than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we'd see a little more Burkhead. I don't really know what the future holds for him. I think it, you're almost like in a forced hold situation with the you know the other backs. And by that, I mean White and Burkhead. I mean, Gillisley with three TDs. People are going to be excited about owning him right now. But like Deion Lewis barely played outside of special teams. He's probably a cut in 12-team leagues just yep. based on how it is right now. And I say that knowing that the Patriots can flip things around pretty quickly. I mean, I, I just think Lewis is is currently on the outside looking in. It would take an injury most likely to one of those three guys ahead of him for him to have any sort of useful role, even in deeper, like full point PPR leagues. All right. Um, and by the way, the running back snaps James White, 43, Gillisley, 24, 15 carries on his 24 snaps. 
Burkhead 10 and Lewis 6. I'm still they threw to Burkhead three three times. One was a little bit of a deep play that he almost caught. I'm I'm still after last night, I, I can't say I was happy as a Burkhead owner in a couple of leagues, but I kind of went, you know what? I'm not I mean, like you said, you're gonna hold, but I, I, I I'm not a disappointed hold in him. I'm going, you know what, I'm not discouraged yet with that guy. I think I'm okay. They, they lined him about wide at uh-huh. least once, right? So Stuff like that is, is kind of encouraging because it just means they they like him as a, a fit for their their personnel groups and they think he can do some some different things. Now, we may be chasing minimal production. We may have two games all year where Burkhead actually does something that we like as fantasy owners. And depending on when those games happen and where we're at with bye weeks and injuries, who's to say that he's even in the lineup for for one or both of them for a lot of people. But there was enough there to wait it out for another week and see what happens. All right. Um, everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. Uh, social media for us, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. And player updates, if you're looking for injury news, at Rotowire NFL. Um, I know Tim's working on that. Um, we've, got, we've got a lot of information there. So if there's any news to be had, get it at Rotowire NFL on Twitter. And uh, check us out on Facebook as well. Right, let's talk about injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. is clearly the first one. You know, it's funny. Um, Tim Heaney and I did a podcast Thursday morning, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s status was in doubt, and, you know, he was questionable. And Tim and I are going, come on, he's playing. It's Sunday night. He's practicing. Come on, everybody. What's going on? Uh, well, <laughs> it doesn't look quite so certain right now. The Giants are saying game time decision. It's Sunday night. Oh, my God, what a disaster. Yeah, it's not good for Beckham owners. I mean, the the injury based on what Jeff Stotts has said looks like a high ankle sprain and we're not far enough away from it to where I'd really want to lean on Beckham this week even if the Giants do try to trot him out there at less than 100% so I'm I'm a little skeptical that even if Beckham is active that we're going to get anything that resembles his usual snap count and usage so I think given that it's a Sunday night game you you do have the the two Monday games, so a few more options on the board to pivot to if he's declared inactive. You want to think longer and harder about some of those players that are going to go earlier in the day on Sunday if those are your best alternatives to Beckham in week one. Okay. Um, if you do want to wait, Shepard, I don't, I don't like Shepard this year. I mean, if, if, put it this way. If you do want to wait and if Beckham's out, Shepard's role certainly increases. So that's fine. And Dallas's defense is no good. So Shepard's probably a decent play, right? Oh, yeah. Shepard Shepherd becomes like a GPP target in DFS, and he becomes like a streaming wide receiver three type if Beckham's out because Marshall should draw any top corners when, when Beckham's out. And I think it makes Evan Ingram more interesting, too. I mean, yep. Ingram's kind of on the fringe for season-long usage at tight end. We don't know how exactly they're going to use him right away. But he's not a typical tight end. He's basically a receiver who lines up like a tight end, and that's what makes him so exciting because he's got a lot of speed and good size. All right. Otherwise, let's see. In that game, if you, uh, Cole Beasley at wide receiver is an option. He's not a sexy option, but he's an option. I mean, he's probably going to catch four passes, right? So you could do it. Yeah. He caught eight last year in the opener against the Giants, and I think he had four in the second meeting. Uh, so the floor is pretty, pretty good. If it's full point PPR, you know, yeah. that's fine. Non PPR, I would try to do something else because I think Cole Beasley's you know, TD odds in any given week are, are pretty low based on the way they use them. 
Right. If, and now if you're flexing, and these are all guys who, the guys I'm listing here are lower than 50% on Yahoo ownership. Shane Vereen, maybe. If Beckham's mm. out, maybe he gets more work. That's really that's really interesting. Like if you said Vereen versus Beasley for a flex pickup because you know you shuffled some other receiver in for Beckham and that was mm-hmm. the spot that you had left over, and you know PPR kind of helps them both evenly. I think I would go Vereen mm-hmm. for some reason. I, I know I know Dallas. Dallas may have a tough matchup on their hands. The Giants' defense is legitimately good. Yes, very. Dez, Dez was quiet last year in the two games against the Giants. And he's cheap and daily. So I've been like trying not to have too much exposure to Des Bryant this week. But man, I, I look I look at the Dallas offense and not much has changed. They got Zeke this week. They're probably going to be decent. If, 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 if the only way I can see it really being a case where Vereen gets heavy volume, though, is if Dallas opens up a big lead. Yeah. And I'm not really seeing that because the Giants defense is just that good. Like Eli could be a pick machine. For the first half. And I think the Giants defense is good enough to kind of overcome that. I think you might be right. But it well, I think they're they might be good enough. It if if the playing field was level, they might, but you know, it's so funny how two weeks ago we looked at this game and we said, Oh, the Giants are at full strength and the Cowboys won't have Zeke, and now it's flipped with with if Beckham's out. I, I don't think I don't know if the Giant I don't know how the Giants are gonna score if they don't if they don't have Beckham. Yeah. I, I legitimately so don't know how they're going to score more than 10 points. Beasley over Vereen makes sense to me because I don't trust the script to be such that Vereen gets enough usage. Okay. To overtake him. I don't think he's going to run the ball enough this year. Are we sleeping on Paul Perkins or does Ben McAdoo not like him? Like what's the, what's the deal with Perkins? No one's really talking about him. He doesn't have a lot of competition for carries. And I know the pass catching role is mostly going to be Vereen, but Perkins looked pretty good with the increased volume down the stretch last last season. Dallas is not a great defense. This should be a pretty good spot for him. I agree with you. And it's so funny. I have been spending the the, the summer kind of looking at Paul Perkins going, I don't know. I mean, they can't block. And I, I hate the line. And I don't know how he's going to run. And, I'm, and you know, it's funny. This morning, I started looking at this. And I, I sort of took another look at, the, I mean, I've seen it before, but then I looked at the game logs again and he ran pretty well down the stretch with the same bad offensive line and volume wise. I mean, in the final four games of the season, he had 62 carries. That's plenty. I mean, you can, I mean, I, I think especially if Beckham's out, Paul Perkins is, I mean, either way, because if Beckham's in, then maybe it opens things up a little more, but I don't know. The, the Cowboy defense is bad enough that Paul Perkins is probably a better option than I would have origi- initially thought. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Perkins as an NFL prospect and let's say Jay Ajayi as an NFL prospect, and those two guys were coming out of college, they're both for, both fifth round picks. You know, Jai's been in the league one year longer. Ajayi didn't look amazing before what happened last year. Like, it, it just doesn't seem that far fetched to me that. Paul Perkins could be the kind of player that helps us win leagues this year like that. And, and yet I had this, this belief that as soon as I had one share in an important league, I've got Perkins in the Stopa law firm league. I'm like, okay, I got enough exposure. One, one league's enough in case, in case it busts. But in my mind, I can't come up with a scenario that, that explains why he busted unless he gets hurt. Like it, skills wise, he's got to be better than Orleans Darkwa. Yeah. And I think he's better than Wayne Gallman too. 
but they're so, so bad. The blocking's so bad. So maybe maybe it's heavy boxes if and when Beckham is out. Maybe it's bad run blocking. I don't know. The Dolphins' offensive line's not that good though either. Like I, I don't I don't think there's that much of a difference skills okay. wise in Perkins today and Jay Ajayi going into last season. Wow. Doesn't mean he's Jay Ajayi. It just means it's like this is the kind of situation that people could have taken advantage of. And I, I don't know anybody who's been the Paul Perkins guy. Maybe right. <laughs> they got to be out there. But well, there's uh, seriously the, the, the people that that talked about the, you know, the athletic metrics and things like the elusive scores and things like that liked him. But you're right. There's not a there doesn't seem to be a Paul Perkins guy. No, I mean, like he, he didn't have a, a blazing 40 time. Kareem Hunt didn't either. I mean, Le'Veon Bell didn't years ago. And the 40s kind of stupid because you don't run in straight lines in football anyway. Uh, but the broad jump was good. Vertical jump was poor. I mean, so like, OK, not great athleticism, but. I don't I don't know. Like people people seem like they're sleeping a little bit on Paul Perkins. If the Giants offense is as good as some people think it can be, it just stands the reason that Perkins will be part of the a rising tide lifts all boats narrative in the Giants offense. All right. Um, the other two guys I had on the list of possible flexes and we're reaching here. Alvin Kamara. Mm. I know, right? Well, I, mean, I love the player. Don't love the situation yeah. at all. I, I I don't trust Sean Payton with Mark Ingram. I wonder how much he'll run Peterson because it's the Vikings, <laughs> if that matters at all. And game flow. I and Saints are dogs. Like, I guess that that does actually bode well for a guy like Kamara. But Mark Ingram catches passes, too. Yep, he does. And I think sight unseen. I want to know how much the Saints actually trust Elvin Kamara in pass protection because they throw a lot and pass protection is going to be extremely important for Kamara to get and stay on the field over the course of the season. All right. Last one, Jamal Charles. Could you do it? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time with Mario Puig this draft season, so my brain has been wired to be convinced that Jamal Charles still has it. (laughs) And then I saw him play against the Packers in the preseason and it passed the eye test. It looked good. Yeah. Uh, the knee thing for the injury report doesn't seem to be serious. You know, we'll know Saturday for sure. It's the Monday game compared to say like Shane Vereen. I'd rather use Charles. I'd rather use Charles than Kamara. I think I'd play Charles over Cole Beasley. All right. Because I can see Denver with Trevor Simeon. They're, they're not going to open things up that much through the air. So they're going to, they're going to run Anderson and Charles a fair amount. And I think that that team could actually sustain two running backs at times and in, in games they keep close and they're going to keep a lot of games close because their defense is still good even if it's not elite anymore all right of all the players we mentioned Shepard Beasley Ingram Vereen Kamara Jamal Charles pick one Shepard would be the first choice and that's under the construct that Beckham is either out or just very limited got it okay um next up in the news uh ESPN reports close to a full workload expected for the returning Le'Veon Bell any concerns at all any worries that uh, not that you wouldn't start him. Let's say if you're playing him in, in, in daily and and paying the freight for him, are you worried about James Conner getting a half dozen carries? Mm, increasingly, I'm not, and I think the the reason behind it is if the Steelers if the Steelers give James Conner a dozen carries because the Steelers are up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and if they're up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, Le'Veon Bell probably did something to help them get there. Sure, Ben could hit. Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown for a few TD passes or something like that. But the usage for Bell is usually so stable that I'm not going to sweat it too much. I mean, we know he's a dynamic pass catcher. They don't even have a specialist to get on the field 
for occasional third down work. Like right. their their personnel behind Le'Veon Bell, James Conner's a, a nice potential player. Yeah, but for a, for a contending team, for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, I'm surprised the Steelers don't have a little more behind Le'Veon Bell right now. Yeah, well, that's why Le'Veon Bell wants two salaries. I, he's doing the work of two players. <laughs> he's doing the work. It was it? He used to be. I don't know where it was. A Letterman quote. He's doing doing the work of ten men or something. All right. Um, full workload related. Uh, Lashawn McCoy had an illness. Seems like he was back to practice today. There's nothing else doing for Buffalo. Nothing. I mean, Lashawn no. McCoy is it. He is as it as any back anywhere. Right. He is. Jordan Matthews is supposed to play. You know, he fully practiced today and. Uh, he's got that that chest injury that with a chipped sternum, I think, was the official diagnosis yeah. of that. It sounds very painful. Uh, I, I, here's the here's the thing about the bills. They, they put some incentives incentives into McCoy's contract that reward him for the extreme workload he's about to try and shoulder. You know, I, I trust the volume, trust them just fine against the Jets. The thing that I think could make LeSean McCoy's value collapse, and he's fine for week one, so you're you're happy with him right now. If Tyrod Taylor gets benched or gets hurt, mm-hmm. you take away the mobility at the quarterback position. Teams can play the run a lot differently. The weapons in the passing game are uninspiring. If they're breaking in Nathan Peterman for a good chunk of this season. That hurts the value of LaShawn McCoy. I know he didn't have a lot to work with last season, but I think a big part of his surge in the yards per carry department comes from the threat that Tyrod Taylor brings as a runner himself. Yeah. And without Taylor, that goes away. And also with the new offensive coordinator, apparently there's uh, a lot more under center, which changes the offense too, even with Tyrod. Mm. So yeah, I don't like the sound of that. I mean, I, I, Shady's a great player. He's he's a very good player, but his situation has only gotten worse in the last three weeks. Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody, uh, most of you have tried daily fantasy sports games. Uh, I know Derek and I have been just talking about it. And, you know, sometimes you have fun playing. You love the competition and, you know, you just lost, right? You lost too much. But it's a new season and you don't have to play against all the sharks anymore, right? You don't have to quit. You don't have to bail. You don't have to say, I'm not playing daily fantasy anymore because it's supposed to be fun. So we're going to tell you about a new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level. It ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is, say, 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. They have their own contests at fanball.com. Every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35, knowing that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Check that out. Fanball.com. I'm afraid that my number would be something like 12. Derek. Well, I think I think 20 is what you get just for signing up and spelling <laughs> your name properly. So you're probably starting at a 20. It's like the 400 SAT score. <laughs> you just yeah, taking yeah. a test, you get a four hundred. All right, here that, that's where you start. And if you you know you, you curse out the the proctor of the exam or something like that, then you drop below four hundred. But uh, I don't think anyone's ever done that. Hopefully, uh, no one's ever done that. <laughs> Hopefully not. All right, uh, Bengals running back coach says, "Hey, we're going to use the hot hand." <laughs> so we've got Jeremy Hill, we've got Gio Bernard, and we've got everybody's summer flavor of the month, Joe Mixon. What do we, this information, I was going to say, what do we do with this information? But it's pretty much what we thought we had, right? You know what I think this is? I think when coaches have veteran players in the backfield and they don't have the, I don't want to say stones, but I I just think when they don't have the ability or confidence or willingness to just go out and say, 
the young guy we drafted is better than the two guys we have already. They have to tell the media something. And they say, oh, it's going to be the hot hand. And they know full well that most likely, if you give a series to Hill and a series to Bernard and a series to Joe Mixon, there's a pretty good chance that Mixon has the best series and you can go to Mixon more. And then they, they can make that part of the plan. They can give Jeremy Hill the first series and, and feel okay about you know making the rookie wait. And it doesn't hurt their chances to win that much if it's only one series where they do that. And it gives them an out. It gives them an out to keep playing Jeremy Hill if he plays well. And it gives them an out if Jeremy Hill doesn't play well to run Bernard and to run Joe Mixon. So this is a situation for me where it's like, other than Jeremy Hill hanging on to a vulture role because he's done that pretty well, it's really the thing he's done the best of the last two seasons, I don't think the Bengals need to be committed to giving him much of a workload at all. And all along, I've, I've, I've just thought, you're going to draft Joe Mixon. You're going to play him, right? You're going to take heat. You're going to take a lot of heat for drafting Joe Mixon because he punched a woman in the face. Like, right. that, that happened. So if you're going to draft him, you're probably going to play him. It's only a matter of time. So whether they chop up the workload smaller than they should for a week or two, it's anyone's guess. But I, I don't think it's going to take long for Mixon to lead that committee in Cincinnati. Okay. I think I agree with you. But, but here's the thing I've been thinking about with that. I mean, I, I've been saying all along that, you know, with all the touchdowns that Hill's scored, I don't think they're just going to bury him. But, but you would think that the talent should win out, and Hill doesn't seem to have the talent we once thought he did. Geo, on the other hand, if his, if his knee's right, he's a good back. He's not a, work, he's not a, a, a three-down, you know, workhorse kind of back. But he's a nice player. He can catch the ball. He runs well. You know, he, he was always, even though Mixon can catch the ball better than Hill ever could, if Geo is healthy, I think Geo's passing down presence could continue the way it was before. I mean, the Bengals used to do, it was almost a 50-50 split with those two guys for a couple of years. And if Geo's right, I don't know that he just kind of gets phased out so that Mixon can get, you know, 20 touches a game. That's the thing that would worry me if I... Own mix. I mean, look, you, you can't expect, you know, the, the number of running backs that you think you're going to get 20 plus, car- 20 plus touches a week, you can count on one hand. But I do think that if a healthy Geo could muck this up more than Hill now, which over the summer I thought it would, might be more Hill. Now I'm starting to think it's more Geo. Well, I think Mixon and, and Geo, they still complement each other well, even though Mixon can catch passes. Having, having two backs that can catch passes is a good problem because teams yeah. don't know what you're going to do. They, they really don't. I mean, they don't know if you're just bringing, bringing a guy in to dump the ball off or if you're just bringing him in to block or, or what exactly it is. So when you have that, hey, this is our only guy who catches passes thing, that tips the hand a little bit. So that, that's a good thing for the Bengals. They have two guys that can do that well. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm surprised Bernard's as far along as he is in his torn ACL recovery. I'm good for him. That's, that's right. great. I, I just I, I think the peak workload for him is right around what we saw in 2014 and 2015. Close to 40 catches, maybe 50 at the high end, about 150 carries. And I think Hill's going to get phased out. He's had back-to-back years below four yards per carry. Uh, that, that to me, is just that, – that's a sinking ship. And it might not sink in September, but I'd be surprised if these three guys are all healthy if Jeremy Hill's anything better than third on the depth chart once we get to the middle part of the season. All right, next up um – 
small one, not that anyone was worried about Julio Jones. The Bears, good front seven, not, not so much behind that. And Prince Amukamara is out. Um, Julio Jones, jackpot, if you didn't have it already. I mean, is, is, he, is he your number one wine out for the week? I had him at two. I think I'm moving him up. Yeah, I think you can you can make a case for that. I mean, it's basically him versus Brown. Both of those games are are games where the favorites favored by at least a TD. So there is some kind of pull away potential. But the thing I, I continue to like uh, about Julio is the offensive coordinator change may lead him to more opportunities in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could that could be the thing that actually works in his favor. We know the overall volume is going to be there. Mukamara being out just a little little bump up in value for this week. What, what kind of team do you really think the Bears are? I mean, are, are they going to be the the five and eleven team that scares good teams when they're at home, or are they going to be the team that because their offense just can't sustain drives, whether it's Glennon or Mitchell Trubisky, the defense you know will start game strong and just fade in the second half because of fatigue, and teams like Atlanta, Green Bay, and Division, those teams will eventually just start popping the big plays. As the game rolls along, I don't know because I don't think their offensive line is that bad either. So I don't. I keep looking, and it's funny. I actually had to do some picks this week, and I and I picked the Bears. I, I said I want to look for an upset, and I picked the Bears. And maybe it's maybe it's stupid not to believe in the Falcons. I still believe in them. Obviously, I think there's going to be a little bit of a backstop, and they're not one of the you know best offensive teams in the history of the NFL, or they're not going to be again. But I don't know. I don't think the Bears are terrible. I think they will. I think you're right. I think five and eleven and scaring teams with close games is fine. But I think they could. I think they could pull out a few of those games too. You know, I, I don't think they're horrible. I just think they're kind of below average. But they'll be frisky. And maybe I'm giving John Fox too much credit. But I, I, I think they could be trouble for people. They could be sort of a scrappy, annoying team. No, um, it, it it makes sense. And if if that's if that's what they do. Jordan Howard's going to help him stay in a lot of games. They might run Tariq Cohen even more than we think. It might yeah. be plenty for both of those guys because after Kendall Wright, who's second on that team in targets for you, like oh week to week? Uh, I mean, I, is it Kevin ideally White? Ideally, it's Kevin White. If it's not Kevin White, they got a they got a bigger problem than they thought because in, it 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 has. To, I mean, they're going to try to make it Kevin White until it doesn't work. And it may not work very quickly. I mean, they don't seem maybe publicly they express some confidence in Kevin White. It doesn't seem like they are real confident he's going to be healthy and productive all year, which is too bad. He's a great player at West Virginia. His final season there was awesome. But man, two two fractures in the leg. You just he just might not be the same guy anymore. And they're going to force feed Kendall Wright. Deion Sims might catch 35 passes. Yay. Uh, Marcus Wheaton might get some volume. There's just nobody else there that I really like. It's just Kendall Ryder bust right now for me <laughs> with those pass catchers. And I wonder if that means we're going to see a lot of dump offs to Howard and maybe even some dump offs to Tariq Cohen to get him out in space. Yeah. Kendall Wright's super cheap at DraftKings, by the way, 3,200. It's, it's, like it's like an automatic play in cash and then... Yep. The gamesmanship, like how big is the tournament you're playing in as far as whether or not you're going to fade them? Yep. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I agree. It's, it's, it's a really good, for 3,200 at full point PPR, it's, it, that, that's hard to avoid that one. Um, all right. So the Rams defense seems like an obvious stream with Andrew Luck out for the Colts. But 
we still have no Aaron Donald. Is the Ram are the Rams still an obvious stream? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I think Tolzien's going to check it down. The running game for the Colts isn't good. The Colts defense isn't good either. So the Rams may be able to tee off with the pass rush on Tolzien. Like that's the other appealing thing. Even without Donald, I think there's enough on this defense talents wise to where they can under Wade Phillips become a really good week to week defense, at least at least a streaming option when they get a good matchup like this one, they're at home. I think there's enough there that I like where I'm comfortable with the Rams is like a top 10 fantasy defense this week. Yeah, I have them. Let's see. I'm third. Yeah. Although, okay. You, you got them pretty high. Thir- third or fourth. Rams or bills. Cause I have Rams third bills fourth. I would probably, I'd probably go bills, but it's, it's not by much. It's close. All right. Um, so the Browns, we, do you agree? The Browns are going to be a little friskier this year, right? Yeah. The Browns are weirdly kind of like the bears. Yeah. Slightly better offensive line, two running backs instead of one workhorse right now, based on you know the way Crowell and Johnson shared last year. Anyway, uh, young quarterback, they're going to right away. So I, I like that about the Browns compared to the bears. I mean, Glennon might be competent, but why, why not just give Trubisky the experience? Like right. If he's if he's close to ready, just turn him loose, see what happens. I, I don't know what to make of the Browns defense. No Miles Garrett this week. Joe Hayden suiting up for the Steelers. That's going to be weird to see if you're a Browns fan, I bet. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just don't know if the defense is going to be OK or if it's going to be something better. Right. I know they're going to be, you know, a Greg Williams defense where they're going to be hurting people. Cause that's what they do. But are they going to be able to keep good teams like Pittsburgh from scoring debatable? Right. So man, I, I just look at that as a team like I, the Browns. There's reason. There are reasons to be more optimistic about them. And yet I don't find myself gravitating to throw Corey Coleman into my lineups for this week <laughs> right. or anything like that. And it, maybe I should like, maybe there's enough there where, you know, I, I should take the chance on, on a Brown or two in my lineups, but how, how okay. So, Thinking about Roethlisberger on the other side with the home road splits that, you know, get, we talk about all the time. D- does does Miles Garrett's absence change your mind at all about Roethlisberger? Because it looked like Garrett was going to step in and make an impact pretty much right away. Yeah, I mean, it changes changes the pass rush quite a bit uh, right off the jump. And I think with with Roethlisberger's home road splits. I'm pretty sure he's gone into Cleveland and put up some some big games the last couple of years because Cleveland's been pretty bad. How much does opponent really factor into that for you? Like when you when you look and say, okay, we we know he's bad on the road, but is he always bad on the road? Like the end of the 2015 season in Cleveland, 349, three TDs, big game at Cleveland, right? Like that's that's great. Yeah, but uh, but Cleveland has been so bad for the last few years. And it seems like they're not so bad anymore. Right. Oh, they're, they're, they're better. Like they're, they are improving. I last year in the opener at Washington, which wasn't an easy assignment. At least I, I didn't think it was Roethlisberger, 300 yards, three TDs and a pick. It's pretty much his only great game on the road. Right. Everything else on the road last year was pretty bad. Uh, I guess he had Indy where he only threw 20 times, but went for 221 and three scores. So, Cleveland's still, to me, kind of in the prove-it mode where if I'm a Big Ben owner, more likely than not, I'm still rolling him out there this week, even though for, well, I think he's got four on the road in the first six weeks. He's probably only going to start one more road game for me 
okay. in the next six weeks. This is one where I, I trust them. Gotcha. All right. Um, last one here. Um, Cardinals-Lions, which could be a fun game. The over-under's a bit high. Um, DM Buchanan out for the Cardinals, which is kind of a key loss for them. Um, and they all, uh, Calais Campbell, not there anymore. Maybe the defense not as good. And it's starting to make me look, with, with, when I saw Buchanan was going to be out, it made me look at the Lions running backs again. Do you like one, both? Who, who do you like out of those two? It has not crossed my mind to use a Lions running back in any context. What? Season long or DFS this week. It, Come on. It just, ha- it just hasn't. I, I think Riddick picks away at the, the value that Abdullah should have. I'm worried about Zenner and short yarded situations. Yeah. And they just love to throw it so much. They like, they just love to be the slow tempo pass first offense, which against Arizona seems dumb. I mean, I, I think Arizona still got a good pass rush. The secondary strong. It, this just looks like a bad matchup for the lions overall. And if they fall behind early, you know, Abdullah's is going to catch some passes, but they, they are not willing to give the dream on Theo Riddick as a pass catching back. I know he does that pretty well because he's a converted wide receiver. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Amir Abdullah, like just a, a guy that I have no exposure to anywhere and I'm not choosing to have exposure in DFS. Okay. I, I do have exposure to Amir Abdullah in DFS. So it's not bad. The price is low. I mean, price it, is low. He caught what opening game last year after he got, before he got hurt. He, got, he caught five passes. Yeah. It, it's, it's certainly in the, what could go right folder. Mm-hmm. Um, but All I, right. I don't, I don't look to the lions very often for a, a what could go right scenario. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, everybody. You've been waiting for this since February 6th. I know I've been waiting. Football season's here, and there's no better way to get closer to the game you love than with DraftKings one-week fantasy football. To celebrate, what are we going to do here? DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest this Sunday that's totally free to enter. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. Now, I want you to know... I don't think you can win $1 billion because my entry's already in. So, you know, I might. I think I'm the favorite to win the billion dollars. But if I don't, you, Derek, you and everybody else might have a chance. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe some weird thing will happen to your lineup like right before lock or something, and then we'll all have a chance. <laughs> all right. With, with Dra- I'm going to – what's my lineup here? I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you what my lineup is here. Actually, I have – is this the one I have Carson Palmer in? I think it is. It's the one I have Carson Palmer I just, oh, don't, I just, don't do that to yourself. Why? I mean, I'm trying to win a billion dollars. What am I going to do? Pick Aaron Rodgers? Everybody's going to pick Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but you can pick Aaron Rodgers. I mean, against the Seahawks, he might be a little lower owned than he would be ordinarily. Everyone's going to pick Todd Gurley. I know that. Like, Todd I, Gurley's going to be very chalky. I agree. You know, you know who my Paul Richardson. Don't tell anyone. He's your guy? Yep. He is. He's cheap, too. Well, he's not super duper cheap. He's 3700 which is not as cheap as Kendall Wright. But, yeah, against that Packers secondary, I'm, I'm, I, that, that's, my, that's the hill I'm dying on right there is Paul Richardson. If I'm going to win the billion, he's my guy. I, so. did, I, keep, I keep waiting for Russell Wilson to have an actual good game against the Packers. I know he threw a strike in overtime to, to beat them in the game. The Packers had 20 ways to win uh, in the playoffs a couple of years back. But Russell Wilson's game log against the Packers is actually pretty bad. Yeah. I, I can't I can't look at it and say, well, that's going to continue because their secondary is generally pretty generous. Yep. And, you know, Wilson with health can move the pocket really effectively. If you're not getting good, consistent pressure. You're not hurrying those decisions. You know, I think he can he can burn you. And uh, I think a healthier Jimmy Graham this year. Graham was good enough last year when he was 90 percent or whatever he said he was. But 
yeah, I think Seattle's very dangerous in that matchup, even though Wilson hasn't really carved up the Packers before. All right, everyone, with DraftKings, there are many ways to play. You can choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you play against people of similar skill levels. The best part is you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment. You won't have, if you get exposure to those Lions running backs that Derek talked about, you can just ditch them next week. You don't have to worry about them anymore. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code WIRE to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That is promo code WIRE to play for your shot to win $1 billion this Sunday. The contest is totally free to enter. Why wouldn't you try DraftKings, the game inside the game? Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Derek, I want to let you know that if I win the billion dollars, I will do the podcast with you Monday morning. That's really nice because yeah. if, I, if I win the billion, I will definitely have someone show up to do the podcast. Right. And, and I'm not going to leave you solo. I, I will not put you in a bad spot, but somebody else will have to be here because I will still be intoxicated yeah. from celebrating. I was going to say, I might be drunk or hungover, but I'll do it. And right. I'm, probably, no, I, I'm never going to do I'll another still one. I'll be awake. I, I won't go to sleep. If, if, I, if I win the billion, it's going to be amazing. The party's yeah. going to be the best party of all time. That's it. You got to throw it together on short notice, though. Oh, I don't. don't I think if you send a mass text to everybody in your phone and just say, hey, I just want a billion dollars, meet me here, like 10% of your phone will be there in a few hours. Even people that have to like jump on a short flight will probably show up. You're probably right. Some people go, who is that again? I don't care. I want a billion dollars. That's great. All right. Um, so speaking of that Seattle Packers game, uh, Thomas Rawls listed his question, but it sounds like he's going to play. What, what the? Speaking of guys, you don't know if you should start. Could you, could you start anyone there? I'm still tempted to start Procise in PPR because I think he's going to be the third down guy. But everybody else, you just this is a total wait and see, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if I'm making the call as a Friday afternoon, Procise and full PPR seems fine. There's a few ways he could be involved enough to be at least a useful flex. I think Lacey gets the, the bulk of the workload this week. They're saying it's a high ankle sprain for Rawls. So if he plays, you know, maybe he's active because I don't have a lot of running backs on, on the roster. And he's, a, he's an insurance policy. If, if Lacey leaves the game early or something like that, I don't expect much usage for Rawls. I was going to start him in the deep league. And, and now I think Matt Breida is cracking a lineup for me in week one. So that's, <laughs> that's a heck of a start to my season. But what? Lacey, uh, it's what happens when you punt a running back spot. And, and something doesn't catch between draft day and, and week one, Matt Breida happens. But Eddie Lacy, okay, at one time, Eddie Lacy was like a number one overall pick in fantasy leagues. Like that, that happened once. And I didn't realize that was in Green Bay. But Seattle's offense is good. They sought him out, not paying him a lot of money. They don't have to play him. But if Rawls is dinged up and Procise is just more of a pass catcher than a between the tackles guy, Lacy gets a chance to go up against Packers, his former team. Pete Carroll seems like a narrative guy, even if he wouldn't come out and, and say it outright that he'd, he'd, he'd like he'd want to get all rah rah and like pat Eddie Lacy on the back afterwards and give him the game ball because he rumbled for like 70 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries like that. That seems like a Pete Carroll fairy tale, doesn't it? It does. It, you want this, this psychological game that Pete Carroll would want Eddie Lacy to get all fired up about beating the Packers. Yeah, I mean, like silly I, I as it so. sounds, I think you're right. It's just what I'm not. I'm not the king of the narratives, but I, I just think with Rawls being a little hobbled, Procise being more of a pass catcher, this could be one of two games where Eddie Lacy gets into the high teens and carries. 
And I think a lot of weeks when they're both healthy, it's going to be a nightmare trying to figure out whether it's Lacey or Rawls. But he didn't look very good in this in the preseason. Yeah, he got more comfortable after a little while. I mean, that line's bad. Like yeah. that's that's the one thing that I, I think is kind of interesting for both players. I mean, I, I don't think Rawls is really like a burner either. I know he's faster than Lacey. I mean, if you had him like run in a straight line next to each other, great. But I, I don't know if Thomas Rawls per carry numbers are going to ever look anything close to as good as they did as a rookie. I mean, I think he's more of like a four yards per carry kind of guy and Lacey behind that line might be closer to four yards per carry. But the whole thing with their offensive line, they think that Russell Wilson as as a mobile quarterback can kind of help the running backs and they don't have to pay a premium for offensive linemen. So it's, it's a great experiment. Uh, But anyway, I, I think if I'm playing one, it's Lacey and yeah, there's some narrative kind of woven in, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about the quiet preseason from him. I think it has more to do with Rawls and his ankle injury than anything else. As far as my interest in Lacey. All right. We talked about those defenses earlier. We talked Rams and bills. Anybody, any, who, who's your favorite this week in, in the pool of, of everyone. I like Houston for the reasons yeah. everybody does. Bortles, uh, fired up team that has a great pass rush and a good secondary. Anyway, Extra, extra hype in the crowd for, for the obvious reasons uh, in, you know, in the wake of, of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, but when you're looking for a streaming defense, right. the Bills, if they haven't been scooped up already against the Jets, that's a solid one. The Steelers going up against Deshaun Kaiser in his debut, that checks in pretty high on my list. I haven't looked at the ownership rates on those two defenses. I imagine in most leagues they've been picked up by now. I'm going to pull them up right now. But those those are the two that in, in season long where, you know, you can't just go get Houston in your season long league. Those are two that I'm pretty intrigued by. Uh, most weeks, I, I, I'm going to think the Eagles are a nice stream this week, a little less so against Washington. Uh, maybe maybe the Bengals going up against the Ravens. That one kind of crossed my mind as one where Flacco hasn't been able to do a lot over the course of the summer. You know, they, they don't have a bad offense, but they don't have a great one either. There's some questions about the offensive line. So maybe the Bengals are kind of that slightly down the list, but still available defense. Bengals are 24% owned on Yahoo. The bills are 49. The other teams we talked about are higher. Um, okay. Where are well, that's Rams? kind of what I expected though. Yeah, the Rams are 64. How, how about the, how about the chargers at 8% against Trevor Simeon? That's not bad. I think the the thing I'm I'm wondering with Trevor Simeon, and it kind of goes back to the running backs. You know, the Broncos aren't going to blow many teams out, and for them to do that, it's good defense and not turning the ball over. And last season, Trevor Simeon was pretty good about not turning the ball over. Two point one percent interception rate, ten picks, and four hundred eighty six attempts. I don't think they're going to ask him to take a lot of chances. Right. You know, I think they're just going to keep it simple like they did last year, and with that, you know, the it's going to be a heavy workload for Anderson. I think a heavy workload for Charles relative to other number two running backs. That Cincinnati model we've seen over the years, you know, Hill and Gio Bernard working in that tandem where both can be viable because the workload's cut so, so nicely. That's kind of what I see with Anderson and Charles right now because of the way their quarterback situation lines up. Right. Okay. Is there a, um, think of top 50 players ish is there a guy who you drafted in the first four rounds of of drafts one draft multiple drafts whatever 
that you're looking at this week and go, I really want to find an excuse to bench this guy. T.Y. Hilton is a player I don't have. And if I had him and I had a, it's probably a league where you start two receivers instead of three. Right. In a league like that, I'm sitting him down. In a three receiver league, it's really close, right? You probably can't because Hilton's so explosive that Tolzien could hit him three yards away from the line of scrimmage. If he makes one guy miss, he could score. Like that's, that's the kind of speed T.Y. Hilton still has. So sure, Scott Tolzien's not throwing the ball 40 yards downfield to him. But Hilton's good enough to do some things after the catch and to get a lot of volume in PPR leagues. The point I'm not burying him, but in those shallow eight, ten team leagues where you start two receivers in that setting, sure, Hilton yeah. can sit down for me in those leagues. Uh, other guys that went really early that I'm I'm skeptical of, Crowell maybe. I, I don't know if anyone who drafted Crowell has a running back that they would reasonably play over him. Mixon. I, I, you could you could see the case for it in week one. Um, not not really that much though. It's funny that Carlos Hyde for for the Joe Williams hype and things that were happening at the beginning of camp, they thinned out that position real quick, and and now I'm just clinging to any hope that Matt Breida actually shares the workload with him. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be like 15 plus carries for Hyde, four or five catches this week against Carolina. I thought I thought I was in rough shape in a couple of leagues where I had. Uh one I had Jeremy Hill, another I had Burkhead starting, but Brita, I don't know. Well, I, I, I Brita might be better than Burkhead. Can say it, it's not a high bar to clear. So. No, no, it's not. I, I rolled Burkhead out there in one league too. I think it was in the Scott Fishbowl or something like that, where I, I just the last flex spot or something was was Rex Burkhead for me. It might have been some other league. Yeah, in the same league. All right, everybody, um, back to D- daily fantasy. Raise your hand if you won less than you thought last season. Right, you and me both. You know, you play against people with, a, you know, going $20 an entry at 100 entries. You know, it sounds like a nice challenge, but they usually beat you and you wind up losing and it's no fun. But if you're tired of losing in daily fantasy football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. You can play head to head for your best chance of winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game, and you'll be entered in the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble. That's Let's Rumble without an E at the end, R-U-M-B-L, in the Apple App Store, and get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. Check it out. If you want to win, Let's Rumble is probably the way to go. Check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Okay. We're going to wrap it up with, with your favorites. Let's see your favorites. Maybe not your number one ranked guy, but the guy you go, oh, I really am so excited to see this guy play this weekend. Quarterback, what do you got? Yeah, for me, at quarterback, it's probably just that matchup between uh, Mariota and Derek Carr yeah. that I'm, I'm most excited to watch. Uh, as far as like an individual player, just because I think I'm going to see a progression from him, Carson Wentz. Like, I want to watch Carson Wentz. I, I was really impressed by what I saw in that Dolphins game in the preseason in particular. I like the mobility. I like the arm strength. I like what they did with the weapons. So I think Carson Wentz is going to get a fair amount of my attention on Sunday. All right. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little mad because CBS or we have an early CBS game here in Charlotte. And I know there's a lot of uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania transplants here, but we're getting Steelers Browns instead of Titans Raiders. Mm. I'm angry, just really angry about that. And I don't ha- I don't have, you know, no Sunday ticket in my house. What? So. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, like that's that's one of those things where if you live in market with your favorite team, yeah, the Sunday ticket's really not that necessary. I think it's it's totally for the out of market fan. 
Yeah, because you can usually add red zone without getting Sunday ticket now. Right. Like I have I have sling. I can get red zone, I think, for 15 bucks a month or something. And that's way cheaper than Sunday ticket. And I I, I'm not going to flip from game to game. If I if I want to watch all the games, I can come to the office. We have it at the office. Come here and run the remotes and watch four TVs at once. But I spend so much time on red zone anyway that Sunday tickets kind of become a thing that I just I don't need to have in the home. Right. Because there's only I couldn't flip. If I was going to flip back and forth, it'd probably be the equivalent of Red Zone. Plus, my wife works for the cable company and I don't pay for cable, which is the real ah. reason. <laughs> there you go. What if I was going to dig it? All right. Uh, Russell Wilson's my quarterback. I'm excited to see a healthy Russell Wilson and then see what he did. Because last year, I didn't think he was healthy. I like that game. I like the matchup. I really want to see Russ play. And, and I think this might be the. You know, I was down on him the last couple of years this year. I think I'm I think I might be back in. Um running back, who who are you looking for? Who are you anxious to see? Two in the late afternoon block, uh Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey. I want to see how many packages, right. how many plays they've designed for Christian McCaffrey. I think he's in line for a huge year. And I think it might start right away in week one. I mean, he's cheap in, in daily. Uh, so I'm all over that. I pretty much not, across the board. I did not bring Christian McCaffrey up first, everybody. I wanna put that on record. That someone else brought it up before me today. So I'm excited to see him too. Um, you know what I want to see? I want to see how many times the Jets throw to Bilal Powell. I think there could be so many. Just uh, it, I really just don't think the, the options are not there. I mean, Josh McCown's there and, he, and they're going to be losing most likely. And he's going to be throwing a lot. And where's he going to go? I mean, Robbie Anderson? Okay. I mean, Jermaine Curse? Come on. I, mm-hmm. I think I think Bilal Powell is going. There is the potential for Bilal Powell to catch eight passes in, adi- in addition to rushing twelve to fifteen times. And I want to see that. I think I think you could be looking at a huge PPR season. I think it's within the realm of possibility, and I think Sunday's going to tell us how much it's in the realm of possibility. If I were an odds maker, I'd put Bilal Powell targets. As an over-under out there at seven flats, we'd push on seven. Seven targets. That's a good one. Seven, seven targets would be the number. He had seven targets, I think, four, five times last year. Yeah. And part of this and, depends on how much Matt Forte plays. But Yeah, that, that's my only hesitation with, with being flush with shares of, of Bilal Powell and DFS. I don't have him in season long because that's a long-term commitment to a player on a really bad team. But you can pick your spots and... Are the Bills really that much better than the Jets? Um, I think the Jets are just that bad. I know what you're saying. I think the Bills are bad. I think the Jets are, they, they may be horrendously bad. Totally possible. I, I just wonder if we're underselling the Bills and what they have done to really chip away at the quality of their roster in the last three weeks. Yeah, I'm so sorry for anyone else to watch that game. Um, wide receivers, I'm looking, I'm looking digs. On Monday night, now that he's shifted outside, I want to see what he's got. I, I, I want to see what they're going to do with him and how, how much Sam Bradford is going to throw further downfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Bradford, he takes a few more chances than people give him credit for. And he takes enough for a guy like Diggs to have a big year. I think Diggs flashed some like wide receiver one potential before he got hurt last season. Gets a great matchup against the Saints in week one. So if he goes off again, that, that sort of chatter might be uh, something you hear on this pod uh, early next week. It'll be Tuesday, I guess, instead of Monday. But yeah, Diggs is pretty interesting to me. Uh, the other receiver 
that I want to watch and just, just to get a feel for how he's being utilized, Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. So the, the Rams, like two things in the Rams, Gurley and Watkins. Like how does Gurley bounce back and how much do they incorporate Watkins in early in the season? You know, what kind of routes is he running? How many targets is he getting from Jared Goff? That's pretty high up. Uh, and Martavis Bryant, too. I mean, after a year off, like if if he gets the spike in volume that some people are expecting, I, I get it. He's he's big. He's fast. He's on a good team. Like he can help people win leagues because he's that type of, of game breaker. But I just want to see how much the Steelers uh, kind of increase his workload after a full year away from that suspension. All right. Any tight ends besides my boy, Eric Ebron, who I can't wait to see go six for 107 and a touchdown. You know, on the on the college front, Troy Fumagalli going to the Badger game on Saturday, so he'll probably put up like 140 and three TDs against Florida Atlantic. But uh, on the Sunday Monday side, Tyler Eifert, where's he at health wise? Yeah. You know, I think the TD potential is always high, but I think he could also take another step forward and be like a top five tight end this year. That's that's in the range of possibilities. Uh, yeah, Martellus Bennett making his Packers debut. Really excited to see. You know, a tight Jared Cook was was pretty good when he was healthy last year. But Bennett, when he's healthy, is another level above Cook. So maybe the best tight end Aaron Rodgers has ever had, most likely. And I think that's going to really change the way teams have to defend Rodgers and that group of pass catchers in Green Bay. All right. Um, You're going to jump around. Are you going to do the jump around at the Badgers game? Yeah, because uh, I'm going with with my family. And um, my family, they they keep me in line. They keep me from being a degenerate (laughs) who would leave in the third quarter to go drinking over on State Street. Right. And considering um, that, I mean, they're going to win by a million points, right? They're going to, they should be up. They should be up 30 at halftime, I, I would think. And yeah, like I, my, if I were going with my dad, we'd, we'd be gone in the third quarter. He, <laughs> he, he would not see, like, now I'm getting sunburned. My top of my head's getting sunburned. We got to go. We got to go to the bar. Yeah. Like, all right, fine. You know, you come up for one game a year. We'll do that. Uh, no, I'm going with my wife and, and my in-laws and I, you know, my in-laws are great, but they, they are not leave the game early people. And that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. If you pay a bunch of money to go to a game, go to right. the game, the bar, the bar is still going to be open. Believe it or not, John, for an 11 a.m. kickoff, that game conservatively ends at two 30. There's still about 12 hours of bar time left during the day. So you don't have to leave early 12 to enjoy hours. the bar time. I love the ambition on the bar time there. 12 hours. That's yeah, fantastic. I got some concert tickets too, though. So I, I, I think, think, I think the early exit, go to the bar for six hours before a concert after a football yeah. game, is a recipe for a disaster yes. for me. It's a, a tomorrow's a marathon, not a sprint, Derek. So it is. Yeah, um, you know. All right, so Big Ten football tangent. I went to. I have a friend who used to live in Ann Arbor, and back, back, I have Tom Brady was playing. I went to I went to the big house for Michigan, Ohio State and was on the field. Hmm. And it was the most disappointing crowd I have ever witnessed. Like I I was so fired up for this legendary college football rivalry rivalry. And that place was a snooze fest. It was quiet. That's that's weird. It's very weird. And I, I talked to some Michigan friends who said, yeah, it's not the most excitable you know it's not like you know going to alabama or something like it's just a different kind of crowd but i i was expecting more you know and and i mean it was a good game it was fun but i just kind of thought it was going to be this crazy atmosphere and it totally wasn't i want to say something nice about the university of michigan It, it might be a backhanded compliment but 
the University of Michigan is a great academic institution. However, compared to other counterparts in the Big Ten that are similarly great academic institutions, I don't think the University of Michigan has a party reputation that is that is on the same level. I mean, no one really has the, the Wisconsin-level party reputation. Maybe Arizona State does. I don't know. I just wonder if the if the students, they're just not they're just not that crazy. Like they're they're so academically wired that they just they don't cut loose enough at the games or something. I, I really don't know. That's that's surprising because I, I would assume that the environment there wouldn't be that different than Camp Randall. Camp Randall, I mean, like the, the area around you've never been to a game here, right? Never. No. Any Wisconsin event, you, you can tailgate anything. You can tailgate a kid's little league game here. Like Pop Warner games have like tailgates <laughs> going to the parking lot around here. And there's there's no big parking lot at Camp Randall. So it's the neighborhood. There's yep. houses right across the street. There's hotels and bars and their parking lots have some some outer like public tailgates. Every parking lot you find, every little parking lot is a tailgate. So there's a probably a four square mile tailgate zone going on around the stadium. Everybody's pretty intoxicated going into the game. Yep. Wisely, they don't sell alcohol at the game because people need the three and a half hours to to get the, the BAC down. And the environment's pretty loud. It, the only drawback is like there is like a drinking problem in Wisconsin, legitimately, <laughs> where like some people are just like sloppy and annoying. So then that that kind of like draws it back a little bit. But it's a good game day environment outside of that. And outside of the fact that the student section notoriously rolls in late, like fashionably late, doesn't matter what time the game starts, add 30 minutes to the kickoff time, that's about the time the student section finally fills up. Okay. And I've never understood that for the same reason I mentioned before. Like the kegs of beer in your living room will still be there when you get home. (laughs) You don't have to drink all of the beer before you go to the game. You can save some for the 12 hours after the game. It's okay. You can. You, it's allowed. You try to tell stay the college cold. kid this. Come on. It will. It, the, the beer will not spoil. I think that was always the fear when I was in school. People were like, "The beer's going to go bad." It's, like, <laughs> it's natty ice. It's not going bad. Right. It's already bad. Oh man. All right. So hey, I'm sorry. Any Michigan fans out there? I apologize if it, it made, this conversation made you angry. No, but. you don't have to. I mean, that, that's just your experience. Yeah, like I was, went to Wrigley for the first time seven, eight years ago. And I sat in the bleachers. It was a Brewers-Cubs game. And I was wearing a Brewers shirt. And I thought, you know, like this, this blue-collar crowd's going to be out here. Nah. And they're going to give me crap for wearing a Brewers shirt. And I, it was, I mean, I sat next to, my wife and I sat next to a nice group of, of like elementary school teachers wearing Gucci sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, this isn't what I expected. I and mean, it was fine. But I was picturing just like, you know, guys that had got off a, a shift at the factory <laughs> showing up and yelling at me for wearing brewer stuff in, in, in Wrigley and throwing it wasn't beer, yeah right throwing beers at me and cursing at me like that that's what I signed up for and I, I was treated much much friendlier than I expected all right so now I have another story and then we're going to wrap it up I promise um long time ago because I'm an old guy um I went to Fenway for two days I grew up a Yankee fan and two of my friends and I during college went to Fenway uh for two games to see the Yankees and in between the two games, it was when Bucky Dent was the manager of the Yankees. And in between the two games, this is back 19, I think it was 1990, Bucky got fired after the first game. The Yankees were in last place, the Sox were in first. Bucky gets fired. 
while we're in Boston and while the Yankees are in Boston. So the second day, this is before sports radio and the internet and all that stuff. So we show up at the cask and flag and behind the green monster and we're there at three o'clock and it's kind of empty and it starts to fill up. And then the bartender says, Hey, there's a radio station from New York. who wants to talk to some Yankee fans. Like, okay. And we didn't know. And we heard Bucky got fired. I'm like, oh, Steinbrenner's a jerk and this and that. And the fans start coming in and the Sox fans, I mean, obviously this is the greatest thing for them, but you know, the Yankees stink and Bucky Dent just got fired as their manager. And we got so much crap for the next three hours, but we did not pay for one drink, not one. They were the greatest people. I mean, they gave it to us, but they just everything because they're, you know, a bunch of, you know, we were 20 year old kids and they just bought us every beer, every single one. It was fantastic. I think I had the best times, one of the best sports experiences I ever had. That's how it should be, right? Like yeah. they're they're not like punching you in the face, but they're they're giving you some crap. Yes. Because you're on their turf, but they're actually being like good hosts about it too. Like that's that's what it should be like when you go and watch a game somewhere else. It shouldn't be like Dodgers Giants where people get beat up and leave in comas. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Like that's going so far past anything that resembles normal. So that's cool that you had a good experience at, at Fenway as a Yankees fan. That was terrific. I mean, I still hate them, but it was a great experience. So, all right, this is it. We're going to wrap it. Listeners to this podcast, everybody get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. And Derek, when people do check out the site this weekend leading up to kickoff, what should they be looking for? Well, we'll have more clarity on Ezekiel Elliott because as we get ready to sign off, apparently he's been granted the preliminary injunction. So... He may not have to sit out six games at, at this latest turn. It, oh, my heavens. It just broke. We don't have time to really dissect it on the fly. Uh, but, yeah, Zeke owners, read because um, you may be getting some some good news. But Jeff's got his value meter up. Uh, we've got the weekly rankings that he does. Uh, we've got the Ask an Expert feature. And if you're into, like, the live video chats, help right before kickoff, uh, check out the Facebook page and, and follow Rotowire on Twitter. We're going to have some stuff going on social media this weekend, too, which is pretty awesome. All right. Everybody check that out at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL on Twitter. Also, you can catch us at Derek Van Riper or at Jay Helpin 37 You've got questions. We'll be happy to answer them. Finally, if you uh, if you like this podcast, please rate it for us. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode will be coming on Monday, wrapping up the Sunday games with Derek and I. So please check back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week one.